Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray at this time that you would speak in ways that we could hear you and understand you. We ask that you would direct us in your way that we may bring glory to your name and healing to this world. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. So we are now in our fourth week of our sermon series on the five marks of mission. And we've already looked at uh, tell that we have good news about the kingdom of God to tell, that we are to consider what the reign of Jesus looks like and, uh, and how we can reflect that in the world around us. Um, then Eva shared with us about how we are to teach and nurture new believers. Um, and this isn't just in right thinking about the faith, but the right living out of the faith. And then last week we looked at the need for gratitude in order to give out of, uh, out of what we have uh, for people who are in need. We lovingly serve those in need. And today, the, the shortened version is transform. We are called to transform, to seek to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind, and to pursue peace and reconciliation. That is a mouthful. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't want to preach on this today. So have a great week, and we'll see you next time. I have a hard time with this because when I look at this, I look at the stereotype of people who are all about social justice. I look at all of the anger and the divisive things and, and the superiority complex that people have when they look at an issue, and it just turns me off. And that's why I don't want to preach about it. But that's not what we're supposed to be looking at anyway, is it? When a Christian is pursuing social justice, when they're seeking to address systems that are unjust now, they don't do it from a place of anger. They don't do it from a place of superiority. They do it in the spirit of Jesus himself, which is calling us to love, right? To serve. And one of the things that, that, if you don't take anything else from today's talk, please remember this. Every person is worthy of our love and our respect because they were made in the image of God. We cannot afford to forget the humanity of any person, whether or not we disagree with them, whether or not they are doing things to make this world worse. We begin with that kind of love. So, and oh, so if I say anything today that makes you angry, please tell me. Let's talk about it. <laughs> You're already ready. <laughs> I'll see you out in the parking lot afterwards. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's model this because one of the things that scares me about our society right now is just how divided we are, how polarized we are. And I think a primary ministry for the church at this time is to model dialogue and long-suffering with each other. We need to model this for the sake of the world. And we can start today. So we're going to begin at the beginning with a gospel passage about the Good Samaritan. Um, when I was really nervous about doing this and about talking about justice and things like that, I called my friend Terrence up, Terrence Chandra, who does street ministry in, in St. John, and I said, Terrence, 
how do I talk about justice when people tell me in the, in the past when I used to do street ministry that I was too much focused on Band-Aid solutions? And he goes, what do you mean Band-Aid solutions? I'm like, there's a homeless kid, let, let's house them. There's a, home, uh, there's a hungry child, let's feed them. And other people are saying, but why are they homeless and why are they hungry? We need to address the broken systems for that. He goes, well, we do. But we don't start there. We start with love for the child that we see. It's just like the Good Samaritan. And when you look at this gospel passage, Jesus is, is answering the question, who is my neighbor? Who am I supposed to show mercy to? And Jesus basically says, when you encounter someone in need, they are your neighbor. Love them. But he's doing something else. He's challenging our assumptions or the assumptions of his hearers. When you see this story, his original hearers would have said, oh, that poor man got beaten up. He's half dead in the ditch. Who's going to help him? Thank goodness, here comes a priest, a holy man. Help has arrived. The priest is like that cowboy with the white hat, right? What does the priest do? He disappoints everybody. He goes to the other side of the street. That's, that's discouraging. Well, then, what about the next person, the Levite, right? the, the expert in the law? The, he's a holy person, a good product of society, privileged. Goes to the other side of the street. Well, then Jesus shows a Samaritan, uh-oh, he's probably going to finish this guy off. Right? Because the Samaritan was a half-breed. Half Jewish, half something else. No good. The people you make fun of, the people you avoid, that's what a Samaritan is. And yet, the Samaritan is the one who shows mercy to this man in need. Out of his own money, he pays for him. Out of, he inconveniences himself and gets him to, a, to an inn. He does everything that a holy person should have done. So Jesus was not only saying, help the person in need, he was saying, check your assumptions. As a human being, as human beings, we are created in the image of God and we have the capacity to do tremendous good in this world because of that. We also have the capacity to do tremendous harm when we don't reflect the character of God in this world. So we need to check our assumptions. When we go looking at what an unjust structure in society is, it's when we talk like that or when we say, you know, there's systemic racism and, and, and things like that, it's not that it's not true, but it's really hard to address the problem when they're just these big, broad statements. We need, like, specific examples of unjust structures in our society if we are to do anything about it. It's an important thing to understand. And one thing that's near and dear to my heart is the is something that Dorothy Shepard, our, our Minister of Health, did a few years ago when she made, did a press conference and said, we have assumed that a family of origin is the best place for a child in our society. We have assumed that. It's not true. Because what happens in a lot of families of origin is that when there are issues of abuse or addiction, or neglect. Because of this faulty assumption, unfit parents are not just given a second chance. 
They're given a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a twelfth chance with these children. And what's happening is that the damage is being perpetuated with the next generation. And it's getting worse and it's getting worse and it's getting worse. And so what did she say? We need to bolster our foster care system because it's not good enough either. But we need to have other means to support and care for these kids. Because we don't start on the same starting line in life. Have you seen these pictures before? I love this. I love reality. And then equality, and then equity. We don't start at the same starting point. Now, I don't like the last picture of liberation, only because I've been hit in the face with a baseball before. And I like the idea of a fence being there. But when we look at unjust structures, we need to begin with the people. We need to question our assumptions and to say, what can I do, what privileges do I have that I can feed into a system and actually make things better? And one of the assumptions that is harmful is saying, we've all got, we all start off at the same point in life. So just pull up your socks. Just get going. When it's just not the case. Another issue that we have in our society right now is, is with social support. Why is it that you can make more money for not working than you do for working? There's something wrong there, right? So how do we, I mean, and this is the thing, these are wicked problems. These are big, vast problems that we need to start looking at and encouraging our leaders to coming up with different solutions. But these are things that we need to be looking at. A good guiding principle here, I think, comes from 1 John three seventeen to 18, when it comes to privilege and things like that. If anyone has material possessions, and I'm going to add privilege, and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with just words or speech, but with actions and truth. That's love. And and, and so, again, I want to stress, we don't start from a place of anger or superiority. We start from a place of love. And we look, we take a good hard look at our assumptions and say, Are these furthering harm, or are they actually part of the solution? It's very important. Okay, the next part of this fourth mark of of mission is to challenge violence. And I I heard about this guy, um, his name is Daryl Davis, who is an African-American, and he, when he was a kid, he he was treated with with harshness while he was marching with his scouts. I found a video, and I want to show two short clips from that video back-to-back, and I really hope it works. And, and, and uh, Eva, if the um, volume is too low, would you mind just turning it up on the keyboard? There's like a little volume button. I'll run back there if you can't find it, but I think it should be okay. And I was very depressed and I contemplated suicide. And then I, of course, met Daryl. He, he saved my life. That's Scott Shepard. He was a leader in the Ku Klux Klan in Mississippi. And this is Jeff Scoop, 
who was the head of what was, at the time, the country's largest neo-Nazi organization. I should have explained a little more about Daryl. One of the things he does is he reaches out and he de-radicalizes people. So he has personally, by himself, de-radicalized about 200 Klansmen. This is Daryl Davis. He's the man they're talking about. Daryl became obsessed with understanding racism after he was targeted as a kid for being black. He had a major question he needed answered. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? He's been trying to answer that question ever since. He went to the people he knew hated him the most. Members of the Ku Klux Klan, white nationalists, and neo-Nazis. I had never gone in with the intention of changing anybody or even becoming their friend. You and I have both heard a tiger doesn't change his stripes, a leopard doesn't change his spots. So why would I think that a Klansman would change his robe and hood? And even after Scott left the Klan, it took a lot of courage for him not to go back. He struggled with how to transition to life outside the group. Right before he reached out to Daryl, Scott got very sick and was hospitalized. He said it was one of the lowest points in his life. He realized he, you know, he was wrong. Hate will eat you alive. It will eat you alive. But when I finally did meet with him in person, it was as though I had known this guy you know, for almost my whole life, and we'd become brothers. But can people like Scott and Jeff really change? There are people who will go to their grave being hateful and violent and racist. There's absolutely no change in them whatsoever. But many of the people that I've sat down with have those same feelings. There is the opportunity to plant a seed, and it requires a lot of water, a lot of nurturing that seed to make it grow. Now Scott and Daryl give speeches together. Daryl introduced Scott to Bernice King, the daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He is a force for good. He is the, de the definition of what he calls himself, the reformed racist. And I'm proud to call Scott Shepard my brother. Isn't that incredible? Now, what I want to stress here is that, you know, I would like to look at a racist and say, you're awful, you're an awful human being for what you believe. But Daryl doesn't do that. He recognizes the humanity even in someone like that. And through patience and friendship offered and vulnerability, these guys are transformed. Because he recognizes the humanity even in them, people who say they hate him for the color of his skin. And it doesn't make any sense. But he gives them the time to do that, to transform that. And I love that if you just plant the seed and you tend to it and it takes time and you're patient, beautiful things can happen. When we are called to challenge violence in all of its forms, that does require standing up at times. That does require putting ourselves out there and risking our safety for the sake of someone else. Uh, I had, uh, we had an issue with Colin a couple weeks ago where uh, he punched a kid in the stomach. And we were like, why did you do that? And he said, because this kid bent back the fingers of another kid on the first week of school. I'm like, that's not the time to punch someone in the stomach, son. Maybe to get him to stop bending somebody's fingers back, but you've got to stand against the violence. Like you don't, are not justified to treat someone poorly because they treated someone else poorly. We are called to appeal to their humanity and through friendship and love to see that they actually know what it is to love. 
the full version of this video talks about a lot of uh, KKK members hate themselves and they project it on others. And that's how racism actually is projected. It's, it's something that's, that starts, that's directed at themselves and then they need to push it out to someone else. Uh, if you want to see the full video, there's a link on our Facebook uh, live stream this morning in the, in the video description and you can look at it there. So we are called to stand against violence in all of its forms. And the final thing that we're looking at today, we've looked at, at how we need to, to begin with love and, 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 and move and to uh, transform unjust systems, to stand against violence. The last thing that we're looking at today is to pursue peace and reconciliation. And this is wonderful because now I get to embarrass Lisa. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. So yesterday morning, uh, Lisa shared a post on Facebook. Um, and uh, you may have been listening to the news this week, and the provincial government has been telling its employees to stop acknowledging this, um, to acknowledge that New Brunswick is situated on the unceded and traditional territories of the Willistook, Mi'kmaq, uh, Pesquimquati nations, and the territory is unceded as the Peace and Friendship Treaty signed in 1725 and 1726 did not surrender the lands. And for the last couple of years, we've been acknowledging this in various settings. But the provincial government said no more. Not right now. Why? Because there is a court issue right now about who owns the land. So if we're saying actually they own the land and we're trying to fight this in court, it doesn't really work. Right? So Lisa put this out there and I thought, well, that was great. But then somebody, you've corrected the spelling here since I got to it. But somebody said... Actually, that's the wrong spelling. And what I loved about Lisa's response was, oh, thank you so much. Because if I put something like that up and I'd say, hey, I'm trying to do a good thing here. Why are you nitpicking? Lisa's attitude was that of seeking to understand and to be respectful of as she learns. And I thought that's the attitude of someone who wants to love. That's what we're called to do. Uh, last night, uh, Reverend Chris Ketch went on Facebook saying, in order for there to be reconciliation, we first need to have truth. In other words, we need to understand what's happened to really be able to move forward. And I've heard a lot of people say, how much truth do we need? Can't we move on to the reconciliation? Can't we? Can't we? Not until it's understood that we understand and appreciate. And it's a long, hard process because there has been a thing that we call generational trauma. And we need to take that into account. And as I said a few months ago, it's not about us feeling guilty about what happened then. It's us taking responsibility because we live in the house and repar reparations need to be done. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul wrote, So from now on, uh, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
The ministry of reconciliation is one of healing, where we recognize there has been harm done, and we need to know what harm has been done so we can start the healing work. And as followers of Christ, we have this ministry, all of us, to do this work together. And that means that we can't cover things up. We can't deny what has happened. But we need to actually look at it, explore it, understand it, so that we can move forward. The fourth mark of mission seeks to establish the qualities of the kingdom of God in our society. And it's based on our devotion to the king and is lived out in love for our neighbor. I want to encourage us to seek out friendships with people that we may disagree with intentionally. To actually seek to understand. I think a great example right now, do you know of any anti-vaxxers in your circle? Let's not label them as anti-vaxxers, by the way. Let's label them as New Brunswickers that we can befriend. And that we can try to understand and to support and lovingly heal the divides that are happening even over this one issue. Because that's our ministry. And that's what this mark of mission is all about. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for your goodness and how in our distress and in our darkness you pursue us and you seek to draw us into your light. So Jesus, we pray that you would so fill us with your love that it would pour out with the, to the people that, that we know, the people that we don't know, the people that we may only know as a label. Lord, help us to be agents of healing and reconciliation in this world and help our whole society to reflect the values that you draw all humanity into. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.